Welcome back to House Party. I'm Natalie Way. I'm Eric Gunther. And I'm Rachel Stoltz. And we are ready to talk more real estate and pop culture with you guys. So, hey, Eric, did you hear about Frankie Muniz's cat? Frankie Muniz's cat? No, I haven't. Can you, you tell me more about it, please? Do you first, well, let's actually, do let's you remember, do you remember who Frankie Muniz is? He is the star of Malcolm in the Middle, and he was recently on Dancing with the Stars, if I remember correctly. Yes, um, he was on Dancing with the Stars, Malcolm Little, and I guess he is now hosting Dancing with the Stars Junior. Oh, that's him? Yes, yes. sure Listen, is. How old is he now? Couldn't tell you. He has one of those faces that looks kind of young. Like he's right? always 14. Yeah. yeah. He, he also did uh, race car driving, if I remember correctly. And I think we've covered a couple of his houses that he's bought and sold in Arizona. Okay. Well, he... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, cool. he well, has a house you. in New York. Um, oh. And... It's kind of a sad story, actually. So his brownstone in New York completely flooded, and the reason is because of his cat. Um, his cat turned on the sink while he was away, and the whole house flooded. Can you believe oh. that? And that so is a he crazy has a cat. Multi-story brownstone there in New York, and it flooded. It is so apparently mm. it's um, a what did it say four to five story brownstone. Oh, um, yeah, so to find four of my five story, so he had, he had a tweet. I, I arrived home from my uncle's funeral to find four or five, four, to find four of my five story brownstone home under five feet of water. Everything I own destroyed. Every wall, every piece of artwork, personal photos, furniture, all because my cat accidentally turned on a sink a few days ago while we were gone. Wow, that's really sad. So, do people normally leave their cats home? I, I don't know. I'm not a cat owner, but do people leave their cats home for extended periods of time alone, like three or four days, five days, however long he was in France? I am not a cat owner. I I think that's typical, probably, right? I mean, you just leave out a litter box and some food, and they're pretty self-sufficient okay. animals. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, and this cat, I mean, I really feel horrible for Frankie and his family there, but... Uh, <laughs> Wow, this, yeah. cat must be this cat must be talented. I, I, how does a cat turn on a sink? That's how do dinosaurs learn how to open doors? Yeah. What? So, <laughs> it's in Jurassic Park. Come on. Ooh, I um, wait, so here's my question. How does he know for sure it was the cat? Is this just deductive reasoning? Could he have possibly left it on himself and now he's just putting all the blame on the cat? Okay, that's that's very plausible. I think that's very plausible. I mean, um, it's probably something I would do if I had left my sink on. Yeah. No, it's it's it sounds like he is completely just from his tweets, he's completely deducing that this cat was able to turn on the sink, which like Eric you said, how is a cat able to turn on the sink? Um and I don't yeah. think any other news has come out about this. They've pretty much just started getting to work like stripping the house, stripping the walls cuz it's you know, they want to reduce the risk of mold forming. Um, do we know what neighborhood this is in? No, I didn't do that I, much research. Well, it's, it's okay. <laughs> I, I was just curious if you could go do some on-the-scene reporting. Oh, I... Maybe, maybe talk to the cat. I actually probably could. <laughs> Not to... The, I couldn't talk to the cat, but... Um, because I, I bet the cat's pretty upset that it's being blamed, you know? <laughs> taking the rap for this. I mean... Oh my Here's gosh, okay, I... hold on, hold on. It's not 
It's not a New York brownstone. It's a Phoenix brownstone. <laughs> oh. All those famous Phoenix brownstones. really, really um, easy to get those mixed up, those New York and Phoenix brownstones. I man. think that this is... Uh, yeah, we should have looked a little bit closer than this. Like, this this broke today, like, this morning, so clearly I didn't look into it close enough, but... This, I mean, this is breaking a news. Phoenix brownstone in a flooded oh, yeah, mess. Those, those old things, you know. Yeah. Been around when I think of brownstones, I do think of Phoenix. Phoenix. <laughs> Here's wow. the thing, though. I can see if he has one of those kind of swivel faucet handles mm. like maybe the cat pushes it accidentally mm. or something like i'm not saying that because they don't have opposable thumbs so i'm not saying that the cat actually turned on the two hot and cold faucets but it has to be one of those unilateral mm. yeah. things right so i know right. I, mean, I can i can see a cat nudging into one but yeah i mean nudging i i so i guess the lesson here is don't leave your animals home alone right um yeah or don't have a cat. I don't know. Or like, I've I read the comments on this this Yahoo Entertainment story, and they said someone oh, was like, <laughs> someone in the comments said, "This is why you should have someone house sit and come to your house every day because maybe this mm-hmm. could have the damage could have been prevented mm. a little bit more, yeah, um, or it could right. have been could have been less bad." And a, a man like uh, Frankie Muniz and his means, I would think he'd have cameras inside the house as well, pointing inside and saying, like, oh, wow, then I then I see something is wrong, and then I can call a, lo- a local friend or neighbor while I'm in Europe right. and uh, say, hey, can you go, go by and take a look at my house? What's uh-huh. the name of the camera that you have for your house, Eric? Uh, I'm using the Blink system. Mm-hmm. Um, so I not, not a plug for Blink. I, I don't... Uh, this is not SpawnCon. Well, maybe Frankie needs to consider investing in a blink camera or some other type of uh, camera while he's away. But it's really sad. I mean, he was gone for a funeral and just a bad situation for him. So sad. A lot of of lessons to be learned. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the top thing on everybody's mind this week which is thanksgiving yay yay short week short week it's a short week um everybody probably has a lot of cooking to do traveling to do um a lot of time spent in the kitchen and at home so uh are you guys hosting what's what's your deal eric oh me um hmm. no going to the in-laws house uh yeah yeah i'm not hosting this year Natalie, what about you? I'm not hosting. I'm going to a friend's house in Brooklyn, but we are cooking. We're making a cheesecake, which is kind of like our tradition, and nice. we are making Brussels sprouts, roasted Brussels sprouts, and we are bringing them, and they will be delicious. Nice. So, you chose the good thing. One time I made a whole turkey at home and had to transport it <gasps> to the friend's house. Oh, I will never do that again. Transporting turkey is difficult. I made a turkey last year. It was my first turkey. It turned out fine. I was a nervous wreck. Um, mm. Turkey can be hard. I feel you, all my novice cooks out there. Godspeed yeah. <laughs> this Thanksgiving day. But yeah, um, transporting it, that must have been a whole other bird. 
it was a whole other cha-cha, as Eric would say. Um, (laughs) The tough part about this, I think, also is the timing of it, of like when do you have to start cooking the thing that Mm -hmm. needs to be ready by when you're going to eat. And sometimes you don't know when you're going to eat, which is a very, I discovered, um, not discovered, I think I've known this, it's kind of a divisive issue. Um, A lot of people like to eat later in the day. Some people like to eat as early as possible. I personally fall into the category of uh, 1 to 4 p.m. so that there's time for seconds. Mm Mm-hmm. What do you guys think? I think that's outrageous. Outrageous. <laughs> Why? It's a dinner. It's Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> Why are you eating it at one? <laughs> I so that lunch. you have time to regroup no. and go back for more, no. right? No. What's, no. Rachel, what's the earliest you've ever eaten? Um, I think my cousin's ate one time at like noon and that was a little too early that's crazy like I walked in the door and then it was like they were already eaten wow I think so we we were this year we're planning to eat um at 4 30 which sounds like it's on the later side for you guys I think 4 30 is still fine yeah 30 is fine I guess I mean I I just don't understand the whole idea of moving it up I don't what's the concept what's the idea why do you need to eat at one two three (laughs) How many Why times do I have to... Have dinner. It's a dinner. Have it be after five. <laughs> Wait, so Eric, you were saying that you eat Thanksgiving at, like, normal dinner time? No, I don't. It's not under my control this year. I'm <laughs> mad about it. I don't like eating after the sun has gone down. What? That's what you do every day. But it's not every day. This is a holiday that is not like any other day. It's like an eating marathon. Oh, my God. Yes. I don't agree at all. I think Eric that. is so agitated right now. <laughs> this is a hot button issue, guys. Hot I mean, issue. have you guys talked to other people? Like, Rachel, have you – I remember you saying you were talking to Judy. Like, what did – what time does she eat? Our coworker, Judy, also fell in the same camp of early as possible so that you can go back for for seconds and kind of you just enjoy the day. Even if you ate at five. I don't want to eat late. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Are you guys cooking for Thanksgiving? No. I am. You are? Oh, yeah, right. Natalie, I think you mentioned you're making a a cheesecake and some Brussels sprouts. Yeah. Uh, Do you put any spices on those Brussels sprouts? For sure. We're going to throw... I I don't need to talk about what we're going to throw on it, but um, yes, spices are included (laughs) on on the Brussels sprouts and in the cheesecake, too. Okay, okay. Is cheesecake spice? Well... (laughs) By by spice, I mean, uh, I think there's some cinnamon in the crust, a little bit of Mm -hmm. cinnamon. Uh Uh-huh. Some nutmeg. Sugar, but that's not a spice. So, (laughs) anyway. (laughs) Not to totally gross you guys out before Thanksgiving. Uh Uh-oh. Or every other meal for the rest of your life. Mm. But, as you probably know, you probably check your flour and things like that for the little insects that might have made their way in. No, I but, don't. I don't. Oh, well, you should be doing that. Oh, and gosh. unfortunately, I'm here to tell you, you should be checking your spices as well. Oh, um, no. <laughs> so this is a real thing. You may find that you reach for your paprika and you open it up and it might be moving. Um, and this does not mean that you're a dirty person or that you don't keep a clean house. This is actually a very common thing for spices to get bugs in them um, sometime between the packing, processing part of uh, the transportation and 
when, even when they're in your pantry, um, bugs can get in. Go ahead, Eric. Are we talking about live bugs in your spices, or are we talking about bugs that have passed on? <laughs> we are talking about live bugs. Whoa. Uh, beetles, to ah. be specific. We're talking Uh-oh. about... What? Uh, some, in particular, there are certain types of bugs that tend to gravitate toward your spices. And usually, those types of bugs are... Um, it's not going to be like a scorpion or something. It's going to be either a cigarette beetle or what's called a drugstore beetle. And these are the tiny little things that can fly in through your open door or through an open window. They can make your, their way to your pantry, and they can penetrate the packaging of your spice jars. Um, and they can get in, and what they'll do is they'll get in and they'll consume that spice as like a nutrient um, is, is like a meal, a food source, a food source, and then they will sometimes breed, which is disgusting, mm. or oh <laughs> they will die and leave their shells and droppings behind. So I think that this discussion has officially made me decide to put an explicit content label on this episode. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And this discussion then leads me to ask what can you do to prevent bugs from getting yes. Ah, <sighs> you know. What do scientists say? Yeah, this was this is one we wanted to take a look at. It actually was inspired by our boss who told us a horrifying story about opening up uh, a jar of paprika that they hadn't opened in a while and he said we were horrified to dis- dis- we were horrified to discover that it was moving. And I thought, is that possible? And every single time, ever since I heard that story, every time I've opened up my spices, I've looked. Um, it's really hard to see, actually. It's not op- it's not com- overt to see them moving. But if you pour it out on a plate, you can kind of see little specks of stuff that will definitely um, wiggle. Oh. So <laughs> it's a nice beyond, adjective. Beyond the whole pouring it out onto a plate, is there anything else we can do to kind of just like to know whether your spices well, are not, infested? No, but just to make sure that insects or whatever right. doesn't get into my spices. So there's not, unfortunately, a lot you can do. But um, before you take home a spice from the store, obviously you'll want to check the best. Bo- best before or expiration dates. Um, That kind of gives you an idea of a spice that's been sitting around for a long time. It's more likely to be infested. Um, Look for rips or tears in the packaging. That obviously is going to be a way that they can get in. Um, This one I liked because it's easy for all of us to do is you can freeze them out. You can um, put your spices into the freezer for at least four days and you could the that big chill should get rid of them. Hmm. Happy cooking. Happy cooking everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> hey Natalie. Yes. You live in New York City. Let me ask you. <laughs> how do you feel about living in the suburbs? <gasps> oh man. Um I, I would be okay with it. Um, yeah, I'd be okay with it. Hey, Natalie. <laughs> yes, Eric. <laughs> Can I ask you a question? Are you a millennial? I, I, I am. Yes, I do fall under that umbrella of. So you are a millennial city dweller. That's me. Hmm. <laughs> what are you guys getting at? <laughs> uh, well, we had worked on a story 
this past week about a suburb in Illinois outside of Chicago that is trying to rebrand itself and woo millennials there. It's kind of become an older, sleepy community, and they're trying to infuse some new life into it. And so they've hired a company to help them out um, in terms of their branding and their motto and and bring, uh, bring new people to town. And I'm wondering if you guys think that would work. I, I think that's really smart actually. Um, because for me, at least, um, as someone who lives in the city who probably will live in the suburbs at one point or another in my life, um, I can't see myself living in the city forever. I like, you know, the whole buying into the whole package of something. And Mm. if a city is presenting, like we have great restaurants, I'm assuming this is what they, what's part of their rebranding, rebranding saying like we have good restaurants, we have, Mm -hmm. you know, good parks, like we're a very walkable city. Um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's smart and it's work too, right? Yeah, it's all that stuff. It's saying that, you know, we're walkable, we've got urban style living, we've got great restaurants, we've got great bars. And so, hey, we're not so different from the city after all. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, it does seem to be working so far. I think the interesting, so you said eventually you'll want to move out of the city into the suburbs. And I think that they are trying to kind of fight that eventuality thing, Mm -hmm. like that this is something that you do when you get older Mm -hmm. and try to nab them. So now, right? So, so get a millennial right off the bat rather than have the millennial transition from yeah. college to the city, college right into the suburbs. Right. Um, instead could, of having that, like, you know, that perfunctory experience in New York or San Francisco and then immediately go into the suburbs. I think, okay, I think this makes really good sense and there's a huge case for someone moving like going straight from college to the suburb that like still kind of has fun stuff to do and like has it all um the only caveat i can see is how's the job market um and is it like commutable to a big city then that's great you know but if it's kind of there's not a lot of industry there. Um, Mm -hmm. I can definitely see that as being a problem for millennials who, you know, you you go to the city to kind of jumpstart. A lot of people go to the city to jumpstart their career. And so if they can't do that in a suburb, I could see that as a problem. I think uh, they're fighting the perception that a suburb is a place where your mom and dad live. Mm -hmm. Right. You guys, would you call the places that you live suburbs or it's kind of like between suburb and city, right? Yeah, I mean, it, I, where I live is the suburbs, but I mean, San Jose is a sprawling city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same because the the whole Bay Area is kind of a sprawl of suburbs, suburbs I mean, but not in the traditional sense that you probably think of a suburb because right. they're so connected to. Um, I don't know, like bigger. I've cities. never really known what to call it, and I grew up in a tried and true suburb. I mm. in uh, about fifteen or twenty minutes outside of Nashville, and. Um, you know, that was probably not an experience I would have wanted to have right off the bat. You know, I craved living in a city so much that for school I went to Chicago and, um, I think you're exactly right. I think that the rebranding, uh, is very cool if they can back it up with jobs and affordable living too. It would have to be affordable. The other thing, and this kind of goes to your point about um, jobs, is a lot of times millennials move places because of 
the number of places to rent. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, how many millennials do you know who are able to buy a house right, right now, right, right off the bat? Right. I mean, maybe older millennials, sure, could consider it, but I don't know how many 24-year-olds are ready to buy. So you're going to go to the places where there's rental opportunities, where there's jobs, and those happen to usually be in urban areas. Yeah. Well, as an older millennial myself, <laughs> I, uh, I don't think these, these marketing programs would work on me. What did you say, Eric? Can you repeat that? I didn't hear you. As an older millennial myself, I don't think these marketing programs would work on me. Why is that? Because I don't trust them. <laughs> My God. You don't trust them? Why don't you trust them? Because I'm a jaded millennial. Okay, okay. Well, we can't all be like you, I guess. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. On to one of our favorite segments of the week, winners and losers. Are you guys ready? I'm ready. I was born ready. (laughs) Okay, so our winner this week is Eric. The winner this week is NBA All-Star DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah, he has a sweet pad in Las Vegas, a big mansion right across the street from Floyd Mayweather. Um, So he bought this place a year ago, and um, he... You know, the reason he's a winner isn't just because he bought the place. The reason he's a winner is that he was featured on the Animal Planet show Tanked. And what is Tanked? Tanked is a show on Animal Planet. And for those of you that aren't in the know, Tanked is in its 14th season on Animal Planet. Did you just pull up IMDb? Are you just reading straight off? (laughs) There have been 143 episodes of Tanked. I've never even heard of this. Including eight specials. Specials about what? Fish tanks. Yeah, there, there's been 14 seasons of Tanked, uh, and uh, on the past season of Tanked, uh, which I believe is the 13th season, uh, the All Star Center of the New Orleans Pelicans, Anthony Davis, had a custom made tank installed in his home. It's hosted by two guys. Uh, they are custom aquarium builders and they come in and will install tanks not just for celebrities uh it's just for folks that like aquariums in their house and um demarcus was a teammate of anthony davis at the time and saw the tank and said wow i want to be on the show i want my own tank (laughs) you know how he is he'll just say wow yeah wow guys wow so he said wow I, i gotta get one of these for myself so he um met up with the 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 guys from tanked and said i want something bigger and better than anthony davis's tank and demarcus had the guys come out and they measured and in the space of an hour you won't believe it they put in a tank in demarcus cousin's home in an hour they did this well no i mean on tv oh you only had to watch it for an hour I mean, unless you want <laughs> <Had> to. to. <laughs> so the tank uh, itself that they installed at DeMarcus's house is 16 feet long, 9 feet tall, and holds 1,200 gallons of water. Wow. And there are uh, over 35 fish swimming around. I mean, I watched, I won't say I watched the entire episode of Tanked, I won't lie, but uh, I is watched. Is it because it was just so exciting you had to? <laughs> 
Yeah, I just, I really yourself. wanted to I really wanted to focus in on the parts with Demarcus Cousins. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did watch them bring the tank into the house, which was a quite a production in and of itself. I mean, as you can imagine, I, luckily he owns a huge mansion with an enormous front door because he himself is seven foot. I mean, he's six eleven, seven foot tall. So he owns a mansion with a huge front door. If this ha- if this tank had to come into a house that was a standard front door. It, there were, there would be no way. The uh, custom feature that they installed is that they built one window of the tank so that you can see it uh, from the outside of the home as well. So you can look at the uh, tank from the outside of the home and the inside of the home. According to our story. According to our story? What? That we did on, yes. on this important <laughs> matter. Yes. Uh, the tank has... Custom cut coral and yeah. over thirty-five fish swimming about with names like dog face puffers, butterfly angelfish, and mustard tangs. Hmm. I thought these. Wait, I thought those were names. I thought you meant those are names that that Demarcus gave them. Oh. <laughs> hey, you dog face dog face puffer. No, <laughs> butterfly angelfish. That's what I would like him to call me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, moving on. Eric, who's our loser, our real estate loser of the week? Uh, Natalie, cue the sad trombone for Hugh Jackson. Or no, was it not? That was that, that was that. <laughs> cue the sad trombone for me. Um, <laughs> that was that was. Wait, what I thought was, you said was, Hugh Jackman at first. Hugh Jackman. No, the greatest showman is our winner of the week. <laughs> Um, <laughs> everybody's a loser. No, nah, everybody's not a loser. Okay, so uh, okay, three, two, one. Natalie, cue the sad trombone for actress Niecy Nash. Uh, yeah, the, the star of Claws had to cut the price of her Northridge home. She originally had it up for sale last year for one, a little over $1.1 million, and now it's back on the market this week at 979000 Still a beautiful home. It's out in Northridge, though, so it's not... I mean, it's in the L.A. metro, but I don't think Northridge is a prime location. Um, this, I'm guessing, I, I don't know for sure, but I'm guessing this is probably the home that she bought when she was first getting into the biz. But now that she's a, a big-name star, you know, Claus is a big show... Um, she's been on a number of shows. She's, I think it was before or after uh, Reno 911. Yeah, it's probably a r- right around that time. Wow. Um, but yeah, no, the home is staged nice. It looks, it shows well. Uh, it might, you know, it might require a little work, but now it's down to 979. Um, she's hoping to find a buyer that wants to come out to Northridge and buy her home. Yeah. And our story actually says that she threw in a number of star-studded bashes inside this home. Yeah, so, we Oh, what this thing could be. <laughs> yeah, we we did look on Getty Images and we saw some uh, photos of parties that had taken place at her home in Northridge. I would go oh. to a Niecy Nash heart party oh, in a yeah, heartbeat. Oh, no, she's uh, she is hilarious. She's awesome. I'm, I'm not hating on her at all. And I haven't in, seen Claws. Have you guys seen Claws? Not yet. My wife loves it. She watched the first two seasons and is a huge fan. Okay. I'll have to check it out for sure. Yes. Fat and tanked. 
Natalie, great podcast this week. Thanks, guys. This was so fun. Thanks again for joining me. If you listeners want to read any of these stories or stories about real estate, news, and pop culture, you can go to realtor.com slash news. You can also follow along on uh, Twitter. We're at House Party Pod. And if you'd like to submit a comment, submit a question, you can reach us at advice at realtor.com. And um, last little note, if you could please subscribe if you like what you heard. And if you could please leave us a rating, too. That would be so helpful. Um, It helps other people discover us. So we would really appreciate it. We would be very thankful for Mm -hmm. that. I see what you did there. (laughs) All right. Um, You guys, it's time to go. So I'm going to say (laughs) farewell and thank you. Farewell and thank you. I'm very thankful. Bye. Bye. Bye.